This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. I was sitting on the Riverwalk in San Antonio on Monday night, and I got a text, and I was distracted the rest of spring break. (laughs) No, that's not true. I said, kid, should I do it? And they went, no, don't do it, Daddy. You'll be thinking about it too much. We are going to talk about Jesus this morning. So I have preached here now three times, uh, Old Testament and New Testament, I got to pick this time. Uh, Freddie didn't give me any conditions, except I had to be less than 30 minutes. Um, I don't know. Where's the clock? Uh, So today, I actually picked um, what we are talking about this morning, and it's going to be Jesus walking on the water. Now, what's difficult about this this morning is you have probably heard at least one preacher preach about this. So today, I'm going to try to, as Alistair Begg says in Cleveland, Ohio, is to make the plain thing the main thing and the main thing the plain thing. We're not going to try to make this it's something and it's not. So this morning, there I am, Jonathan Vinson. We are going to be crashing at the crossroads. Um, So we are going to be in Matthew 14. Um, We are going to be talking a lot about fear this morning. Uh, And if you have not experienced fear, I think it was almost two years ago this week, is that correct? The whole world shut down because of COVID. But if you thought that was fear, let me show you a face of fear. (laughs) Petrified. The second one back, that's my little girl, said, when we go to San Antonio, we got to get on a horse. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to get on a horse. And if you think I'm petrified, look one further back. Uh, and he was more petrified than I was. So that's a face of fear. Today we're going to be talking about fear. And uh, so let's look. What we have been doing, though, what we have been doing is talking about delighting in God for how many weeks? Six weeks we talked about delighting in God. And Freddie took us through Psalms, Jeremiah, and even, the, the, even uh, in Luke or Matthew, uh, and talking about how we are to delight in God. And his, one of his favorite mentor pastors, John Piper, says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. How did I do? I did a good job. Yeah. And we talked about, Freddie talked about how we can have joy and rejoice among the reality and the sufferings of this world. And we did that for six weeks, and I think it was a great, great lesson for all of us. And then last week, I was not here, I was in San Antonio, um, but Freddie took us to a scripture in Psalms that talked about unity in the church. I thought it was truly incredible. Uh, Listened to it on Sunday afternoon. Um, It was truly incredible. That this church, among all the troubles and all the growth, has done a spectacular job at being unified with each other. It takes lots and lots of humility and work to be unified. And I thought Freddie did a great job. So 
What was I going to talk about? Well, I don't know. I was like, well, I can just do a one-off, or I could try to follow the theme. So if we're delighting in God, and we're going to be unified in the church, what do we need? And I think this is why I picked walking on the water. So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. There are four Gospels. That's in the New Testament. That's in the last half of your Bible. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Three of the Gospel writers give this account. Matthew gives the most lengthy account. Mark 6, John 6, if you'd like to read it later, adds some nuances, but Matthew gives a very, very long account, including the Peter portion of walking on the water. So that's where we're going to be this morning, is Matthew 14. Now, as I always say when I'm on the stage, which is not very often, but I do want to make sure you know my heart, and my heart is that God is always at work. And God is working in this church, okay? If you are here this morning, Romans 3 is very clear to say, if you are here this morning, you were not here by mistake. God has called you to the Madison room this morning, unless you got here too early for putt-putt and you took a right instead of a left. Thank you for laughing. I thought that one up this morning. You are not here by mistake. I'll, I'll, I'll go double down on it. You were made on purpose. Psalm 139 says that. You were made on purpose. I know I preached it before. I'm not going to preach it this morning. You were made on purpose. And I'll even go further to say that you were made for a purpose. You're not a mistake. You weren't created by mistake. And what you're doing is not going to be a mistake because God, before there was a was, has ordained your work. So what's that work? Well, I don't know. Let's go walking on the water this morning. So if you're Matthew 14, if you know this story, this, this story of walking on the water follows another story, which is Jesus feeding the 5,000, which is actually about 10,000 plus. And, and that is before a couple other events have occurred. One... He's found out about John the Baptist being beheaded by Herod Antipas. And also, he had sent his disciples out two by two for them to go out and heal the sick and talk to them about Jesus and the gospel. And they have come back excited. And so what they decide, what Jesus decides to do, it's time for a retreat. So we're going to get away from the crowds. We're going to go to a desolate place, and we're going to just focus in and pray and get, get, a, get, a, get, a, get a retreat. And what happens is the people see that he's going with the disciples, and they decide to follow them. And that is where we're going to get with Jesus' feeding the 5,000. What happens is he sees the people coming up. He's like, listen, this is vacation. I need some time. But he doesn't say that. He actually says that Jesus had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so what he did is he broke off his retreat and engaged these people, and he healed these people. He had mercy on these people, and it started getting late. Has anybody seen The Chosen? My wife watched The Chosen and Chosen. I was like, I'm so tired of hearing about Chosen, so I finally started listening to it. So every Sunday night I watched, I think there's two seasons so far, I'd be crying in the bed every Sunday night watching this show. 
It's crowdfunded. It's, it's a super thing. Look it up. It's really good. But what it does, it tries to portray the life of Jesus and, and more importantly, disciples in their interaction with Jesus. And so here they are. It's getting late. He's healed the people. They are nowhere from anything. And so you could see Peter, if you've seen The Chosen, or even better, Matthew, saying, Jesus, it's getting late. They got to go. We've done enough here. Uh, and so Jesus says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to feed them. And they said, we don't got anything to feed them with. We got two fish and five loaves. We got a couple hundred denarii. We, we go probably feed 15 of them. What are we going to do? He said, you're going to feed them. Give me the fish. Give me the loaves. Make them sit down. And Jesus prayed, blessed the food. And they had so much that everybody was satisfied, plus 12 basketfuls. I know you've heard this story. And that's where we pick up in verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. What's that first word? Immediately. And that word in the Greek, I'm a word geek, sorry. The English is perfect. You don't need any other Greek or Hebrew to understand God's word here. But this word immediately means in the Greek... Immediately, there was no time break. It was this happened, and now this is about to happen. And here it goes. Immediately, he, that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. That means... Where were the disciples? Well, we're about to find out. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, or some say tortured, some may not, because the wind was against them. So here they were. They went to their mini retreat. The crowds follow. Now they're having to go back to work. They've had to go get this little bit of food. God has blessed the food, and they've seen this unbelievable miracle of feeding 10 plus thousand people. And Jesus compels, that's what that word means when he says made them get into the boat. He did not give them any option. When Freddie texted me, he gave me a way out. But Jesus did not give the disciples any way out. You, my friends, are going to go get in that boat, and you're going to go across the Sea of Galilee that way. This is a rowboat. And we see there that they probably didn't get very far for hours. And some of these were actually fishermen. It's not like they were all tax collectors like Matthew with this nice rope. They were used to this. And they sat there and they were rowing for hours. And that word there that the wind was against them were contrary against them actually means the word has tortured them. It was actually pushing against them. Now, this this wasn't the storm that we read in Matthew 8 where Jesus down below sleeping. This is just a strong wind in front of them, and they're just, they're just not going anywhere. Now, if you're not understanding that, because you don't get in a boat very often. I don't get in a boat very often. I don't ever get on a horse. But if you're ever on I-24, and there's that wreck occasionally might occur, uh, and you're sitting there, that which should take 35 minutes, you're an hour and 20 deep, and you're just like, would you just go? And the guy tries, the girl tries to pass you on the left. You're like, thank you, Fred. This is what was going on. They weren't scared. No lightning, no storm, but they were frustrated for hours 
of straining at the oars. And the whole time they're thinking, why in the world would Jesus have made us get in this boat? All right. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And Jesus, here it comes, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Some of you say the fourth watch. Fourth watch is too early. Now, I saw 1.59 to 3 o'clock this morning because I was thinking about preaching this morning. Yeah, so the fourth watch is starting at 3 in the morning. They left at night, and at 3 in the morning, they're still rowing. And they're probably frustrated. And they're probably a little ticked because they're trying to get across the Sea of Galilee. And guess who comes strolling up? I was going to wear my boots this morning, my water boots. I didn't. Nella said I couldn't wear my boots. But it would have made the point that Jesus comes up. I'm going to pass them by is actually what Mark 6 says. But he comes up walking, and their response is, finally! It's not their response. Immediately, excuse me, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. This is the same Jesus they just were with and had been with for months. The one that just sent them out, and they did all these miracles, and they just saw him do a miracle. And they see Jesus in the morning, and they were terrified. And in fact, they say, it's a ghost. They said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. These disciples were terrified. Now, it's so easy to look at the story and just get lost in the story because you've heard this story like a billion times, some of you. But if you are sitting as a disciple, sitting there straining at the oars, and you see something walking on the water, you're terrified, you're in complete and utter fear. As I kind of started with the whole me on the horse thing and being fearful two years ago, no matter what, how strong you think you were, how, how, long, how strong the economy was, how good your business was doing, how good your health was doing, how good the global economy was doing, one little virus, shut it all down. And some of you are in complete fear. I had to quit watching, well, I don't watch the news, but I quit reading the news in January and February. I couldn't do it anymore because was I going to get it? Was I going to get sick? Was my kids going to get sick? Am I going to die? Is my business going to shut down? Can I go get groceries? We were all in fear in some way. There's nothing worse than being in fear. And this is what the disciples were. They were completely in fear. The word means to recoil, to withdraw. You're so scared you withdraw within yourself. And Jesus says three things. He says, take courage, I am, fear not. He calls them to have faith in something other than themselves. Fear is always combated by faith. Okay? So what's faith? We talk about it a lot. There's a lot of shirts that say what faith is. Let's see what this version says. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. 
For our ancestors won God's approval by it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. I didn't make that up. That's Hebrews 11, 1, 2, and 3. The author of Hebrews, before he goes through the hall of faith, as they call it, he wanted to define what faith was. And faith is the reality, the reality of what is expected and hoped for. Last time I was on this stage, January the 2nd, with Noah Reese doing Joshua 1 and 2 and 3. Try to make a point that there were two realities that we live in. Ephesians does a great job saying, And finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Devil, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens that you cannot see. We talked back in January 2nd with Joshua. He had two realities, one he could see and one he couldn't see. The disciples were sitting in a boat, straining at the oars, seeing Jesus walking in the water. They became immediately fearful, and he's going to call them to faith. And he says, take courage. Have courage. What's this courage word mean? Well, we're going to look at it in a second. Not me on the horse, that's for sure. He says, have courage because I am. Chuck Colwell, at the end of last year, had a great sermon on Yahweh, the I am God. We see that when he approaches Moses, what shall I call you? He says, you shall call me by this name, and that is Yahweh, the I am God. And lastly, he says, because I am, and because the courage I'm calling you and commanding you to, you have no needs to fear, fear not. Commentator defined courage as this. Courage is the result of the Lord infusing his strength by his inworking of faith. We just read that in Ephesians 6. It is by God's strength and by his inworking of faith within us that we will have courage to overcome the fear. So there we go. Faith and fear. Faith. What happens next? What happens next is really cool. This is the only gospel account of what happened here. John and Mark don't say this. Immediately Jesus spoke to them. Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. So as in Joshua... As we just saw in feeding of the 5,000, Peter, the aggressive Peter, the bold Peter, says he's laser-focused in on Jesus. He's been straining at the oars for hours, but he's laser-focused on this Jesus walking, standing on the water, maybe walking around. And he says, if it's you, which is kind of funny, if it's you, Lord, Command me to come out to you. And Jesus says, come. 
and descending out of the boat, climbing out of the boat, literally getting out of the boat and going splash, splash, he starts walking on the water. After hours of straining at the oars, probably tired, most likely tired, he gets out of this boat and he starts walking on the water right towards Jesus. When you have faith, true faith will lead to follow. If you want the faith that God is calling for in this story and having the courage that you're going to need, which we're going to see in a second, that faith is going to require you to follow. In fact, it has been said by another famous author of the Bible, faith even though it is only thing that can save you is faith. There's nothing you can do to deserve forgiveness, only what Christ has done on the cross. But faith that does not lead to works is not faith. If your faith is not leading you to action, is not leading you to follow what God is doing, your faith is not faith. Faith is action, and it's following the leader. Who loved the game? Follow the leader, right? Here, Peter saw Jesus, immediately was terrified, but then he sees the point, and he says, you tell me to come out there, and I'm there. He says, come on. He gets out of the boat, and he is walking on the water just like Jesus. If you saw that today, you wouldn't just be having your blank stares that you're having right now. You'd be going... You gotta get take a picture of this, but on Instagram. Okay. What happens? Poor Peter. No good deed goes unpunished. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. This is the most poignant verse, I think, in this account. But when he saw the strength of of the wind, he was afraid. When he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? My watch just quit. Isn't it funny that he had been straining at the oars for hours, and all of a sudden he sees that the wind's strong? You not find that? Do you think it's even more funny that you can't see the wind anyway? Some versions say, now seeing the strength of the wind, or now seeing the wind. The seeing here is probably not so optical. It's more perception. I'm not in the boat anymore. I'm sitting on the water. There's a lot of wind out here. What am I doing? And what happens? He had two realities. Remember the two realities? Faith calls for us. The reality is what is hoped for. We can't see it. Remember that? We don't fight against, in this reality, things we can see. We, we fight against spiritual things we can't see. But we always fight in what we can see because we can see it. He'd been straining at the oars for hours against this wind. And all of a sudden, he looks at it and says, oh my gosh, look at the wind. What am I going to do? And what's he do? He sinks. That's what he does. 
and he screams out to God, Lord, save me. Now, if you were Jesus, or this were your kid, you'd say, well, you jumped out there, figured it out. Something called dog paddling. Get there, get back on the boat. But he extends his arm out. Let's see what he says. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said in him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? So he calls him out. At least he said he had faith, he just didn't have enough of it. Faith in what? Faith in what? He answers it. He says, why did you doubt? Beautiful word in the Greek. Sorry. Diatstadzo. It's a crossroads. You're standing there. You've got a decision to make. Do I go left or do I go right? In San Antonio on our trip, we didn't really have a car, so we just had to walk. And you know how many times we walked around the same block because Google Maps couldn't keep up with us? How many times we made the wrong decision, or I should say, more lengthy decision? When Jesus says, why did you doubt? He's saying, Peter, you got out. You saw what we did in feeding the 5,000. You saw me. You, you get the point. You had the faith. You climbed down. You're walking on the water. Why did you at the crossroads? That's what this word means, did Stadzo. You've got two decisions. In, in this case, one he could see, and the other one he could see. But the reality is that he could see Jesus, but he also could see that he shouldn't be where he is because you're not supposed to be on the water. He was at a crossroads, and he made a decision to doubt. He doubted at the crossroads. Now, when I say crossroads, there used to be a show, I think, a music show called Crossroads. But you're thinking big decisions. Should I get married to this one? Should I go take this class? Do I really want that client? Do I want to go to move to that house or do I move to that city? Those are the crossroads that we're talking about. But what you didn't hear when Jesus says, why did you doubt? And when Peter's jumped out of that boat was a crash. It was a crash at the crossroads of Peter because his faith wasn't there for him to understand the reality of the, why he was out there in the first place, and that was because of a person. He lacked the courage at the crossroads. He lacked the courage at the crossroads because he did not have the faith to trust the one who called them out there. We have crossroads every single day. Every single decision you make from the time that you wake up until the time you go to bed. What do I first look at when I wake up in the morning? How do I treat this person that just passed me by on the road too fast and cut me off? What do I say to the person that's sitting in line with me at Walmart, if you go to Walmart? How do I respond to that with my spouse? You have crossroads every single day, and God has said you need to have 
courage. You need to be emboldened by what I am doing and the faith that I have given you that you can understand the reality of where the real struggle is. If we as a church, if we as a church choose not to exercise our faith individually and not corporately, listen to me. You know the whole church thing? Remember? Here's a church, here's a steeple, open doors, and there's the people. You are the church. Freddie commended this church. What he was saying is commending each one of you last week and being and showing unity with each other. It's gonna take every single one of us individually, every single morning, all day long, until the evening, to look, close your eyes, to exercise your faith in what God is showing us in the reality we can't see. And that is, read your word every single day. If you've been listening to the podcast, I hope you do. It's fun. Gets to see a little bit more of Freddie and uh, more of what he talks about on Sunday mornings. But we've been talking about daily, deeply delighting in God. And when you daily, deeply delight in God, you will see the glory of who he is, but more importantly, you will get to experience God where he is working. If you are not getting in the word every single day and thinking about it, meditating, and trying to do what it says and praying to God that you can do that, then there's no way that you can have the faith of what he's called Peter and disciples to do in this story. As Mark 6 says at the end, it says, for they did not understand the loaves. They missed the point. It is not your work. It is God's work. He wants us to have faith to step into it, even if that's water, to join him where he is. Oh, it's fearful. All we talk about money. But that means, are you generous with your money to this church and to others? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of your precious time to serve this church and the community around us for the benefit and glory of God? Are you? That is what he is calling us to do. God is at work in this church. We say it every week at the podcast. God is at work at this church. He is moving at this church because of people like you. And what he's going to call us to do is to go into even deeper faith, to be even more generous with our money, even more generous with our time, to step out on faith to do it. And you're going to say, as Emily's coming up, you're going to say, preacher boy, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You have no concept of who I am. And you're absolutely 100% correct. I don't have to, because God does. And this is the same God, this is the same God who created you, who made you on purpose. He created inside of you to have a purpose 
and that is to join him in his work. There is water and there is wind. There are excuses, there's family, there's struggle, there's sickness. You can find one billion things why you can't. But God can. All you have to do is open up and follow him. Emily, come on up. All right. There is one step of faith that everybody needs to make sure they understand. And that step of faith is simple. You came in here today not as a mistake and not on mistake. But I want to make sure that you understand that God that created you so specially also knew that you could not and he did for you on the cross. That you came in here filthy, you came in here distorted, you came in here not worthy of what he is in his glory. That God has given you the way by dying on the cross. That's that first step of faith that you have to do. So all eyes closed, all heads bowed. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you've given us this picture of faith. Thank you for the boldness of Peter to look to you, to follow you in faith. Help us, help this church, help us individually have the faith that we need so that we can glorify you and join you at your work. It's your most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.